Metal Sucks Podcast fans. You guys want to know what's going on and what's new at Metal Blade Records this month? Let me tell you. The first thing I want to talk about is the latest release from The Ocean, Fanriazoic Live. It's coming out this November, guys, and it is a stunning live audio-visual presentation of The Ocean in all their prog glory. Make sure you guys are checking out the Fanriazoic Live, guys, the live videos right now at metalblade.com slash the ocean. Also new in the web shop, some classic reissues from the great Lizzie Borden. Make sure you guys are checking out Deal with the Devil and the Master of Disguise LP reissues, which are both going to come out this month from Metal Blade Records. And last but not least, Grease's Web. It's W-E-B. Their record, Coliseum, will be coming out. So check out all these wonderful releases from the Metal Blade Records, dude. Go to anymerch.com slash Metal Blade Records. Once again, The Ocean, Fan Reazoic Live, Webs, Coliseum, and the reissues of the Lizzie Borden Classic LPs, Deal with the Devil, and Master Disguise. Go to anymerch.com slash Metal Blade Records. It's the Metal Sucks Podcast with your hosts, Petter Speich, Brandon Hahn, and Jocelyn Sharp. Metal Sucks Podcast. Hello, friends out there. Is that your host, Petter Speich? I am always joined by... Brandon Hahn. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at your buddy Gooch. Also... Jocelyn Sharp. You can follow me on everything at Jocelyn Sharp. Unless it's TikTok, then it's Wizard of Jaws. Um, yeah, but just go to JocelynSharp.com. J-O-Z-A-L-Y-N, sharp like a sharp knife.com. And make sure to follow the other coat. And make sure to follow our other co-host, Sylvia Alvarado, at It's the Sylvia on, on Twitter and Instagram. If you guys want to follow me, I am at our other podcast handle, at Rise to Offend on Facebook and Twitter, Rise to Offend Official on Instagram. This week, guys, we have Rob from Death Angel on the show. So excited to talk to him, man. We are here to celebrate the new live album, The Bastard Tracks. It is coming out November 26th. I'm going to say that again because in the interview, I say December 3rd. I fuck up. That was the original press release. Anyways, but the album is coming out November 26th, guys. So please disregard what I say in the interview. But before we get into my interview with Rob, let's do our Metal Sucks News. What you need to know. Metal Sucks News. Who is raping an upcoming show? Metal Sucks News. Dig a deep just to get the scoop. Metal Sucks News. Fill your head with the media's poop Now that we have your attention Lend us your ears Battle sucks news Controlling my thoughts Will it make you happy Or fill you with fear Battle sucks news To guide all the lost Come with us mm, First story you want to talk about Rammstein's guitarist says Ghost is not a stadium band And that stadium bands are pretty much Out the door Facts. Huh? Facts. I I agree with you as well. Yeah. I don't think... It's not that we we don't have stadium bands now, but as the years go, they're just fading themselves out. Yeah, they're fading themselves out. Well, and also I think that the the opening up of the market through the internet, meaning like you don't have to go through all the middlemen, the agents, the managers and stuff to get your shit out there, it sort of thins out the possibility of filling out a stadium, you know? Because instead of having six bands that are at the top, we have 600 bands that are sharing that same amount of listening. Right, right, right. And that's basically what... And then they're also the same amount... Well, they're splitting their listeners, though. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. That's what it is, yeah. But nostalgia does matter. So, like, 
if if we want to say uh, avenge sevenfolds of stadium man, which I don't know if we can say that for sure. I know we can say that. <laughs> we can't. We can't. There is plenty of hot topic managers who will take the night off to go to an avenge sevenfolds of stadium. Spike bracelets. <laughs> Ten to fifteen years off. from now, though, nostalgia. They're gonna be there. Is my point. I think they will. Well, I mean, I, you look at a band like. Stadium bands that are rock bands. Obviously, we're talking about Metallica's, Iron Maiden. Well, this Ramstein. is what you're hoping. This Go is ahead. what you're hoping with bands like Ghost. The bands that they and they are a big band. They are a very well recognized band. They do have a, a huge following. But what in order for them to fill out a stadium, it would have to be their fans now, and then 20 years later they make babies, and then they yes, or actually they make babies now, and then 15 years later, now all of a sudden they raised on Ghost. That's their favorite I, band. I just then, I, I I see what you're saying, and there is a, a fact of that, but I think you need a fucking hit that generation after generation after generation, yeah, after, like a hit hit, like Enter Sandman, yeah, you know, like a hit like that you hear nonstop. I don't think like rock and metal. pie. I don't think rock and metal <laughs> has had that. <laughs> When's the last time rock and metal have had that? Uh, no, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I don't know. You know, it, uh, it, it isn't interesting. Where's our cherry pie? I mean, the the last, we got some pretty emo hits from Kill Switch in the early 2000s that went pretty mainstream hits, you know? But I mean, but they weren't, they weren't men or Sandman. They level, weren't, no, never, you know? no. no I don't, I don't think there were, like I said, I can't think of, even when you bring up Avenged Sevenfold, I know they have hits for our fan base, but I'm talking about like, everybody knows this song. Yeah, but we're talking like the second you hear it at a sporting event... You know yeah. what I mean? People can get behind it. Like, Enter Sandman, you can't get away from it. ACDC Thunderstruck, I may be biased because I'm such a kill switch stand. Yeah, Pantera <laughs> Walk, yes, yes. yes. Metallica, whatever. But yeah. the point is, is that, yeah, and, until that happens, obviously we're talking about Rammstein, who doesn't really have it. I mean, I guess well, Duhast. Say, Duhast is a hit. You're right, yeah. That's kind of, <laughs> it would just be a bunch like, of people standing around, and then as soon as that song started playing, they would just be like, yeah, because the fan base, everybody doesn't know every song, you know? No, like, absolutely. The American fan base no certainly way. doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're just all, du, Duhast, Duhast, man. And then meanwhile, there's some German guy going, you're pronouncing it all wrong, you know? <laughs> yeah. You're saying you're lactose yeah, intolerant. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> really? What's up with your tummy? I feel like must-see <laughs> concerts, like a must-see, like, oh, I got to be there, Led Zeppelin. I think that the generation that we're currently in, they don't have that no, it, sense of urgency to have to see these bands. Like, bands in my, my – when I was growing up, I'm like, they're going to last 10 years. That's it. Obviously – Many bands have lasted longer than that, but that's kind of the time frame I would think about. I right? also it think be it's, there forever. there's more shit to do, too. You know, when stadium band shit was built, that culture of stadium bands, mm -hmm. there was less to do on Friday night. There was no laser tag or meow wolfs or art exhibits or internet gameplay. You know, like when that culture of going to see Guns N' Roses in some huge ass stadium mm -hmm. and parking your suburban on the 17th floor of some parking that like that is a that, I think that's a cultural moment. So pros and cons, though. Pros, you get to see more rock and heavy bands in smaller venues. Which is my, which is my preference. Which is a pro for not, not for the bands, obviously, but it's a pro for <laughs> the fan, fans. Like, we get to see them like in a smaller venue, which is awesome. Um, but longevity-wise, you know, is it going the way of jazz? Is it going the way of like, hey, music is, isn't going to... Music, film is the same thing to me. Music and everything that really, really mattered like 50 years from now... Is it going to just be a poet? Like, you know, like poetry was like a well, rock star back in the day. Charles Bukowski, we did a rise to a bet on him. I just like, think that with rock and metal, mm -hmm. there's really, just in those two genres in particular, because those were the genres that were raised on shock. That was shock and all, rock and roll and metal. And rebellion. And rebellion. And it's like now, 
look, man, there's really no other place to shop. Energy. I remember, yeah. I, I've told you guys this story. In 2001, I saw Marilyn Manson, and he decided to turn around to the crowd, pull his G-string to the side, and show us his asshole. And I was like, rock is dead at that point. <laughs> I'm like, it's over. Where do we go from here? <laughs> Nowhere. Yeah, exactly. Nowhere. <laughs> we had something this week that Pete doesn't want to talk about, but that's where, that's where we go. <laughs> And someone got in big trouble for that. Meryl Manson didn't even get in trouble. And that's the thing. And then what ended up happening after? There was like Miley Cyrus goes out and on some award show with a joint. Smokes yeah. a joint. Oh, you're so hardcore, Miley. <laughs> Where's your asshole? You know what I mean? It's just, it's it, just that's it what I'm saying. A, There's no shock there. It was a different time, though. It Art, was a different artists time. Artists were protected. But, um, but all I'm saying is, though, is like you even look at pop music. Look at what Madonna and all the hate that she got for some of these music videos that she got. Now you got uh, Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion talking about way more graphic sex. And they're getting Grammys and and, and showered with love. By, the, by but, they, but they Grammys. also, to your, to your point that you always have, they also get ignited through the hate culture as well. That, right. Like it elevates their things because it, it ignites the extremely conservative part right. of our country that hates it, which bolsters the extremely right. non-conservative which, side of our country. Which brings us, I think, full circle is that if you have a hate culture, your fan base used to protect you. Marilyn Manson did whatever he wanted on stage, but we, as a, his fan base would protect him. Dude, that's him. Leave him alone. He's an artist. He's doing his thing. Now, the hate culture is like the fan base will not protect you. You have to live in this kind of bubble. And that's almost impossible for many artists to do. So to, to reach a fan base on a level of a stadium tour, you have to be squeaky clean and rock and metal ain't squeaky clean. No, it and just ain't. I think you, you know? have to have a certain type of ego. Like, you have to be an insane you ego type of person. You have to work your ass off, too. And in this day and age, though, it's just such a different vibe because, you know, all this stuff is happening through the internet. A lot of these artists are get, getting discovered through grassroots, but they're not lasting because the their listeners don't grow with the artist. We want you to be this way all the time. Well, well music's yeah. consumed differently where you don't, it's again, you're not going to grow with someone if you consume music. Right. But people are right also now, only you know? interested in consuming people. They think they know wholly. It's why that comedians with huge internet followings can sell stadiums out. It's because there's uh, their fans feel like they know them. That's the truth. And this is the new, the new thing that I don't think a lot of artists haven't latched onto. And it's, that's important is in your brand. People really want, they want, there's so much bullshit and, garbage people genuinely want authenticity they and, want authenticity well that's the thing is that they want their they want their artists to be their friends yes and that's not what we're growing up with no artists and not much we worshiped our artists but there, there was a lot of mystique to them there yeah. was a nobody's yeah. getting a ronnie radke tattoo you know what i mean people got marilyn manson tattoos well and you if well, you're gonna and if you're gonna I, be I, mysterious i bet somebody's got a ronnie radke i mean tattoo. i'm, I'm sure somebody's know. probably got one <laughs> there's a guy i mean there's a guy on the internet who is sells an well i shouldn't say sell like has an amazing amount of downloads of his songs and nobody knows what he looks like so there's that still exists but he's not going to sell a stadium out no. because nobody knows what he looks like right exactly. it's the anonymity yeah no, did i say no. that right anonymity yeah, anonymity yeah. i, I love that you said it like you're Little kid, anonymity, and the anonymity. Mom says that we're hiding in the basement because we're trying to be anonymous. <laughs> Could I get some ice queen? <laughs> yeah, I think I think the uh, mystique actually hurts artists now. You have to be really upfront and open. You have to be all right. People up about your, don't yeah. trust anyone. People are so fucked. The public is fucking traumatized. Mm. We have been everyone we've ever loved or trusted to show us the way or be a beacon of hope or help us has. It's just like we are literally being shit on by like they weren't who they said they were. They were a horrible person. Look at these skeletons in this closet. So now people are so disenfranchised. I think the only way you can break through as an artist is 
if people are riding or dying with Demi Lovato and she's saying some stuff that you're like, okay, I mean, okay. I don't, I don't but know that one, but I know Bill Cosby was a big one. You know, and like, it's, people you know, need to, people me. need to hear what, what I mean is like, because she's so authentic, people are like, yeah, whatever you say, Demi, you know, she's saying like, we shouldn't call extraterrestrials aliens cause it's a slur, you know, that's crazy. Like, what do you, Oh, I don't know. You know yeah. like, See, but there you go. But that's what ends up happening. Like one minute, Demi Lovato was so praised for starting some movement. And now it's like, whoa, you're a fucking crazy, you're person. A crazy person. Well, you can't maintain. No. That's what I'm saying. And that's the problem you, that you that's can't the maintain problem. authenticity because all of us as human beings, including artists, I'm not saying we're making it up as we go, but our life experiences change our authenticity as we yeah. go. So I we think she's a bad say, example, though, because she has Disney trauma. But you know? any, anybody in 2000, <laughs> anything that came out of your mouth, my mouth, Brandon's mouth, let's just say in 2010, after we lived a couple of years, it's not authentic, but it yeah, was then. Exactly. That's the point. And so I also believe with with that kind of documentation, everybody seems to and eventually I, get cut. And cut I also believe with the authenticity on the Internet, it's mm. like okay, lights, camera, authenticity. And it's like, no, you're not being authentic. Yeah. You're, you're just, you know, you have an audience and you're, and you're putting things in a way that could be made into entertainment. And it's not authentic, especially if you're talking about your real, like, like there's, there are many comics out there that will bring up like real, real, real painful things in their comedy act. Well, they've worked on that comedy act, but if you're over there just kind of doing it on a podcast and, and selling it a certain way, and it's not coming across like it would in your standup and it's coming across in a different way. Like some people can't, they can't latch onto it. It's gotta be this one way. And this is the only way I want it. Well, wor- words don't seem to matter as much. The authenticity is, is emotions, actions, and, and, yeah. and, and like people and, want and, accountable people. People are so tired of people walking free, doing horrible things, and walking free. Whether it be on a corporate level, a government level, a law level, they literally just want. There's a. There, I, I read this study. I wish I could remember where it was from. They showed this the social media statistics of pe- all the people who were quote unquote canceled, right? And if you literally just say, you know, I fucked up. I'm sorry. I'm human. They don't care the hate just die it goes away there, there's no fuel for the fire anymore it's this it's this to your point this perpetual hate machine that we want to participate in because we're so we're more sick of that than we desire to uh highlight the authenticity i, I feel like i see a different a- avenue to that i see guys like louis ck who who did that i see guys like kevin spacey who did that and then i see guys like mel gibson who didn't do that and he's totally fine so I don't see exactly. But I where think you're his canceling was a little bit pre. It was just barely pre-internet. So I don't think his is as big. Mel, Mel Gibson's history's documented yeah. as shit, and, and he's and every time he gets brought up in a comedy, talk about act, it's about like, him hating Jewish yeah. people. Yeah. I mean, yeah. let's be honest. Well, but that's but this is the thing is like it, it's a pick and choose type thing. You know, they, people will ride or die with someone if they're if you're going to be a horrible guy, you got to be a horrible guy through and through. Yeah, what, no. pe- what people don't like again, it's authenticity. If you're a horrible guy, be a horrible guy through and through. But if you're going to be a horrible guy and then be like, no, I'm a good guy, I would never hate Jews. Right. right. You know, then they're uh-huh. like, fuck you. You know. But if you're like, maybe I hate Jews. You know, well, then see, it's like a total. I, I, I see. I think with Mel Gibson thing is like he was drunk. He, I think it was he was just drunk, and he's like, look, um, I I know I don't hate Jewish people, but I got drunk and I probably said some things that. This is you giving him the benefit of the doubt. It is me. That's what. I, and but that's there the is thing, no but, algorithm to cancel. And no. that's what yeah. I'm saying. That's and that's what, that's why people need to just the, like. But that's what. But that's what. But that's yeah. one thing that's got to stop though. Is like that's what ends cancel culture, and that's what ends all this bickering is giving people the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> Nobody's as evil as you say, unless it's like. Right no, no, nobody's on 100% camera. bad or 100%, 100% good. Yeah. But, but to your point, I think the other thing with Mel Gibson, it's another bad example because there is some sort of 
pop cultural um, where everyone sort of chewed on that joke. Even so, South Park did it so yeah. big and so frequently. I think it sort of inf- infantilized his racism and his um, well, anti-Semitism. Yeah, it made it, yeah, it made it like a cartoon. It made him like a mascot. So it made him not feel as oppressive or scary, I think. I think there's this like cartoonishness that a pre- like people like him can have that make people sort of not take it seriously. I think, I think again, you guys are trying to make sense of it, but in actuality, yeah. there's no reason for no. these guys on the fence to be out of the way and this guy on the fence to be No, fine. but I do think that's that that is saying. a reason. You're, you're, that's a psychological reason. You know, like if you don't feel threatened by it, you're not going to feel the, if it doesn't trigger anything in you, you're not going to feel the need to cancel it. Well, I, I don't cancel anything. I don't. Yeah, yeah I need. I, I need to because I, you're not triggered by it. No, I'm not triggered. <laughs> yeah, by exactly. Anything. It's like well, here's people the thing. are humans and they make mistakes. And if see, they, and that's the thing yeah, though. Like yeah, there yeah. are things that I see and if I go, if they're what? criminal, they need like, to do some crime. They need to do some time. But like, I mean, will I support them? Yes, I don't know. That's my personal decision. But obviously, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna make an opinion about it. Well, look, it, and, and unfortunately, it goes like this. It's like if you are standing up for like free speech or something like that. There are people out there. If you say, oh, I just believe in free speech, you're going to be people that are going to lump you in with a certain crowd. And you're like, whoa, 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 I'm not with those guys. But yeah, but it's easier for me to put you in this place. And that's basically what the internet is. And it's like, we're looking at one person and we think they represent hundreds of thousands of people sometimes in this one tweet because they got a blue check mark next to it. And no, they don't. They represent one person who's trying to get attention by claiming they're authentic and they're not. Yeah. And I mean, I've canceled artists I've met that were dicks to me. And I'm not going to say that on the internet or say anything like that. But my point is like, all right, well, I don't really want to support you because you were a complete asshole, you know, whatever the like, case may be. And that's, that's something that's just between me and them. But I would never affect But that's personally, though. That's personal well, to this, you. I know, but that's what I that's feel what a lot saying, of this yeah. is, is people take it personal. That's why right. if you support, I just use Bill Cosby as an example. Obviously, that was a, that guy was the the beacon in my youth of like wholesomeness and all these great things, let's just say, and his comedy was very special to me, all that stuff. And then the allegations and then him getting convicted of these crimes. That's a big, like, whoa, right? It's it's a huge thing. It's like Mr. Rogers having something like that. You know what I mean? Mr. Rogers is like a saint, right? And I know he passed away and you can go see the dog documentary. Beautiful documentary. Great documentary on him and, and and all that stuff. But that's a a perfect example. Of like, all right, well, that guy was real. Somebody, yeah, somebody that you had, that you looked at and you thought there was no chance of them doing something evil. Correct. And, and that's how he was portrayed and then he's in the 80s. literally making Cosby noises as he's, he's walking out of the courthouse for his rape trial. And that's what I'm saying. It's like, we don't know. We <laughs> no, don't no. know. We're, we weren't there. I don't know. But right. do, I, do I, like, for example, if Bill Cosby's coming to town, am I running to get a ticket? Not even going to answer that question on the show, but my point is, I know where I stand on that. Yeah, right. I mean, I'm happy saying yeah. publicly how I stand on it. I mean, it's kind Which of fine, no, whether you did it or not. I mean, coming out of a rape trial and going hey, well, <laughs> on video is this crazy. Is, to this me, is you know? sad. This is, the, but this is what Pete's getting at. So you stand up for that. There's going to be an artist out there where the public is going to lump Bill Cosby in with this one artist right. that did something in the ballpark, but it wasn't. Not even the same sport. It was just kind of like, eh, that's kind of creepy. Now you're going to wait. You're going to put him in this category. And then if you go, well, and then let's just say you publicly go, well, this one thing happened. It's not exactly the same. Oh, Jocelyn loves Bill Cosby. It's like, that's how, that's how the public is now. It's like, we want to hate we, so badly. People also want to care too much about what other people got to say. Yeah, but I we, mean, don't respond to it and it goes away. See, and that's what Pete's saying. He's yeah. like, don't respond to it. If you don't know, you, you don't know. I, I, I say it all the time. If you're yeah. armchair quarterbacks, like if I'm yelling at the TV and my 
my house at Tom Brady on the football field, that's cool. But if I'm saying it like I've been a quarterback, you know, at 44 yeah. years, how old is he? 44, yeah. At 44 years old in a game, like what, like, and my, like, you don't know shit, you know? So yes, obviously you want to talk to your friends, but the point is, is that we're very vocal about thinking that we know a lot of things. And we all have people in this room that when you bring up the phrase cancel culture, and this all ties into no more stadium bands. You yeah. Know? It really does because there's going to be some sort of negativity that's going to cut people at the knees, you know? Um, but when we, when you, you bring up cancel culture, it's a personal thing who you cancel, who mm-hmm. you don't support, yeah. who you don't want to for whatever reason. But that's why it's imaginary. Yeah. That's why there's, there's little to no real con the, the amount of real consequences when you narrow it down, like there's a huge broad amount of list of people we could talk about that everybody canceled over the last year. But of those people getting canceled, the real life consequences, you know, the, those kind of things, we're not really seeing them. Uh, imaginary. I can't buy into because it's out there and it is, now representing the people that have done the wrong things wholly. It, it represents them more than 20 years of their legitimate careers, let's just say. It, it is their staple. It's going to be like if you have a Wikipedia page on the next story we're going to talk about, Marilyn Manson, the top, it doesn't matter the last 30 years, the top thing. You mean the people who cancel people? Well, no, no. It's legitimate. Like, to me, to me, why I say it's not imaginary is that, like, do I think um, these people still have careers? Yes. Do I think their careers are derailed uh, permanently on some level? Absolutely. And if you derail someone's artistic career or whatever, and they have to go pander to a side, then yes, then there was a a negative effect on them. Sure. But what if they really did it? No, no, no. I'm not saying there shouldn't be a negative (laughs) effect, you know, but my point is, is that no, no, I'm not saying I'm not pro or anti any of that stuff. My point is, is that it's not imaginary. I don't no, no, no. I'm not saying you know, it's imaginary. What I'm saying real, is that yeah. I'm saying that people put in my personal, this is really my personal opinion and I, and I will, this is the hill I will die on. Mm-hmm. People put way too much fucking stock in what other people think. If you are responding to a stranger who is tweeting to you on the internet, that could be a 12 year old with his dick in his hand and you are just about as mature as him. Jocelyn loves Bill Cosby. <laughs> That's what you just said in that statement. No. But Dave Chappelle's a hero. I, yeah. Uh, when I was a younger person, he's a hero big time and I'm not going to comment on what, where I stand with him now or anything like that. But my point is that King, no comment over here. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to say well, I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not, my, my point is, is he hates free speech. <laughs> no, 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 I don't. You love Bill Cosby. <laughs> I don't. But he does. He's not going to comment on Dave, so he's going. He obviously <laughs> loves Bill. If if I if I told you guys I would never mess Dave Chappelle coming to town ten years ago, that's the truth, you know. And if I don't feel the same way for whatever reason, I act room or his comedy doesn't mean the same thing to me. It's just it's a personal thing. But I do want people to support whatever artist speaks to them, and I want them to give them the benefit of the doubt and, and just promote them in a positive way. So they can, they can keep rising up the ladder. If you're a fan, if not step away and shut up. Or instead of, I mean, of course, if there's people who are dangerous to others, definitely keep spreading the fucking word. I'm going to always die on that hill as well. But uh, just highlight the people who are doing shit that you like. I uh, like show that shit off. Right. Well, that's the positivity, but my thing is, but if you highlight that and then somebody comes back with like, so-and-so is this, you don't respond to it. Yeah, but it's still there. It, okay, you now, don't respond now, to it. Now you have to make a personal decision to be like, well, I'm okay with that. There's literally four videos on YouTube that, like, because they got enough views, my family members of me were like, people are saying this and this about you on YouTube videos. Who cares? 
I don't, I'm still buying this avocado at Smith's. It hasn't changed anything about my life. You know, so for me, it's like. Uh, but it could, Joss. It, sure, it could. And that's, that's a consequence of whatever actions I did, but I didn't do anything. So well, that's what I'm saying. But what if, what if, I'm not saying that you did anything, but my point is, is that that is what artists are up against. That's why they can't reach this high level uh, that they used to in the past. They, yeah, they, I they mean, aren't protected. They are. This is going to actors or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. There is a target in our culture on these people that are giving, putting themselves out there, and they're not getting the benefit of the doubt. There are these targets on these people that they have to maintain a very, very specific style. Stay the same person forever. Yeah, yeah. You know? And they, and they can't they can't cross certain lines. Or yeah, their and lives don't are be a hypocrite in it's, jeopardy. Yeah, you know? don't be a human being. Or I mean, not their lives. Their their livelihood is in jeopardy. And that is something that again, it's it's real. But it's also something that I'm glad to know next story that Marilyn Manson's lawyer is saying he wants a global mediation with alleged assault victims. And that's in the cards, meaning he's willing to, hey, we'll give you guys payouts if you go away. I'm glad to know that headline and that story, which is the next thing we're going to talk about, because it does play a part in my decision if I want to keep supporting this guy, despite his records meaning a lot to me at a certain time in my life. Hey, man, that's the thing. You nothing know? nothing culturally, no shifts we make as a society are all good or all bad. Mm. The cancel culture is not great, but it's not bad. What we're doing as a society is we're raising our standards. We're going to go way too far, and we're going to fall back down, just like we did with Prohibition. And then now, you know, what's his name with the mustaches on all the commercials? But I, does art not benefit? Um, I, don't, I don't agree with book burners, and that's what cancel culture is. Yeah, but we're not learning. We're not learning from our mistakes. Well, and we never do. Humans never do. Yeah, they do. As a culture, we do. And what I'm saying is, is when you push something like cancel culture, then all of a sudden you're making people white knuckle something just because of you. They they might have changed their mind down the road. If they might have changed their mind with personal experiences, but because you called them a fucking idiot or you got their career ruined or because of this, now all of a sudden they're going to die on that hill. When you could have had a potential ally in the situation, you, if, you is, if you just would have if you just would have moved on. What you're saying is you think that there's a potential to change that person's mind. I think the, the only way to change, change every person. The only mind. way to change anyone's mind, and I'm talking, and, and that is even. And that is even damn near impossible. The only way to change anybody's mind is just to be the best version of yourself. And what I mean by that is when somebody's going off about something political that you disagree with, be calm. If they ask you your question, be like, I don't agree with that. Explain why. And then they're going to go and then, but try to explain it from like, hey, if this happened to you, how would you feel? And nine times out of 10, if you come at somebody with that kind of, and if you come at somebody with that kind of attitude, they're going to stop and go, you're not a hundred percent evil, but we just disagree. And sure. It, but that's easier said than done. Cause I'm human. And I, and if I'm passionate about something, it's difficult for me to be calm and, I and, and not that, emotional. But, but, you but know? what I'm saying is, is, but when, but when you are listening to somebody who, who, their attitude is damaging. I mean, they're basically lumping a bunch of people and I'm just talking about in anything. They're lumping a bunch of people into one category. When you know all the people that you're lumping into that category don't agree on everything. They don't disagree no, on I'm everything. I'm never going to be a they're fan of generalizing beings. at all. I'm well, never right. going to be a fan of but, generalizing. But that's what ends up happening when you are online. You generalize but and I, that's where things go wrong. To piggyback on, on just something you said is that I think where all this conflict is and what's hurting our, what's hurting you know people in society is what you just said is that I have to change someone's mind. If you think 
you need to change someone's mind, you're pro- you're the problem. You're yeah. the problem. You're I the problem. think that you don't change people's minds. We live together. We're a team, and unfortunately, yeah, we're not going to get along. But yeah, you have to be the bigger person and lead by an example and be like, hey, you can say whatever you feel. But take that journey. You know, if someone has an issue with, let's just say, an LGBTQ plus member right now, they probably don't have any friends in that world. They don't know those people. They don't yeah. anything like that. And they make these judgments of hate out of fear and basic things that we all feel. And then they meet someone down the road and be like, wow, I was wrong the whole time. We can't fix that. You know, sure. but that person time can fix that. that yes, that's uh, yes. But that but that person's on our team. But if we attack those ignorant and those experiences they dig their heels in. But I think yeah. it's to Brandon's point, I think it's the cancel culture is only going to go away if when people and it you see it work with a lot of people who have been tried to be canceled over and over, you can't respond to it. If you respond to it, that's when you like fuel it. You have to ignore it. But as it. an artist, if someone makes a false accusation about I know you, it's tough. I know can, it's tough, but you if have you have to respond. If if you want to you know? respond, you have I mean, but here's the thing, it's like what if that person is literally knows it's a false accusation. They're doing it just to get you to respond, just to bait you into a conversation. That's only going to hurt you. I think it doesn't do anything. It doesn't do anyone. You, you you'd block them. If someone, know? if someone, right. put a, if someone put a rape accusation on us, one of us on this show, yeah, the chance of us losing this podcast and not being a part of this program is, is very high, regardless if it's completely fabricated or made up true or yeah. false. What I do mean, you think? true, true. true yeah. Okay. So with that, being the thing, I have to speak up or you have to speak up or you have to speak up or whoever and be like, no, no, this is not true. This is, this is the facts. I have to protect myself. If I ignore it, the silence, that's the, that's, that's the catch is that now you're, you're in a situation where it's like, well, you're not speaking up for yourself. So now you have to lose something. I guess for me, I'm more thinking of all these instances online where people, it would have just gone away where it's like somebody tweeting at you. Mm, You know, that's more what I'm thinking of where it's like, if you don't, if you don't engage with it, a lot of the time it's, it's something that was not, that truly is nothing. I agree. You know, it will go away because it's nothing, you know? Yeah. No, I agree with, with tweets and such things like that. I think we're talking about something like this Marilyn Manson. Yeah. The longer this goes on, like the longer this goes on and the stories go on and all, these things with Marilyn Manson like if you gave him the benefit of the doubt at any point right at this point the way he's handling everything and doing everything you're just like no information and I don't know shit and I don't know anything like that but I just like you just have to have a gut feeling yeah it just feels gross new information new opinions that's that's the one thing that people don't I mean that's the I think that's the biggest issue with most people these days is people don't want to have new opinions after getting new information I think the biggest issue is that we consider these horrible things that are happening to people entertainment that's what I. Think. That's exactly. That's what the it problem. Is. When 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 I see this poor like, and I don't want to get on this tangent, but like this Gabby Petito girl gets killed, and everybody's just watching. This is entertainment. This is a personal family's tragedy. What's wrong with the world? Like, let her and her family deal with this. But no, it's a twenty-four hour news cycle until oh, the story's over. Move on to the next story. And this week, there's a new idiot at the top of the the link. But it's not entertainment. This is a personal family's tragedy, you know. And we as a culture now, this is why we're a hate culture, as we don't respect families. We don't respect people's personal tragedies and feelings, but we pretend we do by saying it in a thread or some shit like right. that. But if you did, you would not react and, 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 and let it be your entertainment. I get you know? that, but I think it's less malicious than you think. I think there's also a human, a human morbid curiosity that makes us scared of tr- the trauma and makes us want to look at the trauma because it makes it a little less daunting because we all know any of this shit can happen to us at any time. As a human being, if you see people are hurting, and you do something in any kind of way. If we go back to this Gabby Petito thing, her parents are probably crushed. 
Do you think those news vans out there are helping that? No, for sure. Do you not, think not the all news the comments vans, on, sure. the, on the threads are helping those people that no. are destroyed right now? I don't think it's helping. That makes but, it entertaining. But I'm giving the benefit of the doubt. To who? <laughs> to all those people who are doing it. We, mm. we can't give the benefit of the doubt to just the people well, we agree no, this with. This is our culture, but this, this, this kind of hate culture is, is going to kill artists from, from, from really, really This is how I lives. feel. I feel like with the way we're describing the hate culture, mm-hmm. all right, and things like that, and 24-hour news and stuff, I think that we're going to look back on this one day the same way that we look at racism. And how right now, if you're racist, you're so disgusting. And back in the day, it was kind of accepted. Right. I think if I think that eventually, well, and I think that's my why I have a hard time connecting to this conversation is I don't watch the news, I don't participate in it at all. But, but what I'm saying is though is like there are things that are accepted in our society that are ugly. They've always been ugly. Mm-hmm. We didn't know how ugly this was until the OJ trial, until Desert Storm. We didn't know how much. The people just needed to watch conflict and real life drama, other people's lives getting playing out in front of them. We didn't realize that until the last like 30 years. And then ever since then, it's been everybody just trying to capitalize on the same exact note. We may not have realized it, but, but if you go back through history, it's kind of always been a thing. People used to pay to walk and and look at dead bodies. They used used to display dead bodies. That means we we didn't grow from history. (laughs) No, for sure. I'll tell you something right now. OJ was entertainment. Casey Anthony. That That was entertainment. That was entertainment. Kyle Rittenhouse. That's entertainment. Right. And this isn't entertainment. This is, this is, this This is is real shit. Personal tragedy to some people out there. Um, and that's hurting art, man. It's hurting, it's hurting us coming together. Because we all have to be on this weird thing. We all got to be that's, right. The reason we're all in small venues now is because that's how many people we can get along with. These larger venues aren't happening because, dude, everybody's got a different agenda. But I didn't know we were going to go here. But we know what happened. It happened. I'm hey, good with it. Hey, you know it. what, guys? I also I feel differently. I don't go to big venues just because I don't like them. Metal sucks. Metal <laughs> sucks. <laughs> listening audience, you guys can thank us for solving the world's problems. Ah, we solved nothing. I'm <laughs> winking. I'm winking at you, and I'm saying, way to go, champ. We solved nothing. Yeah, but, we did. We fixed it. But before, guys, we jump into the, the highlight of the show, and hopefully we didn't turn anybody off because the talk with Rob is fantastic, dude, and I really want to promote the Bastard Tracks by Death Angels coming out November 26th. But before I jump into the interview with Rob, real quick, guys, one more thing oh i'm so excited to promote and that is converge's blood moon one it's a new collaborative album created by the legendary hardcore band converge alongside dark songstress chelsea wolf her bandmate writing partner ben c and cave-in vocalist guitarist steven brodsky blood moon one is available now guys last week i talked to jacob bannon we promoted it we played some songs this is going to be on the top of many many album lists it's a fantastic fantastic work by all of them put together. So if you haven't, guys, make sure you go pick up a physical copy. The CDs are out right now. Blood Moon One, Converge, Chelsea Wolf, Stephen Brodsky. It is available now, my friends. And with that, let's jump into my interview with Rob from Death Angel. Everybody, what's going on? Petter, Metal Sucks Podcast. On the phone, I have Rob from the Grammy-nominated Death Angel. We are here to talk about the latest release, The Bastard Tracks. It is coming out December 3rd. Let's talk about that Grammy nomination. Okay. How did you you get that news, man? Because that was awesome just for me as a fan to see that. How did we get it? I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) We've been putting out music for many decades and suddenly we got on the radar of the recording academy somehow um i don't know i mean we we have friends that work (laughs) in the recording academy maybe they pushed for us but um 
may, I, I just don't know, but I was very excited to find that out, though. Now, that, that event, right, when you guys were, and if I'm incorrect, let me know, that was the event that nobody was attending the Grammy. It was during the pandemic, correct? No. It was the year before. It was the year before. Perfect. So, um, did you get to they, go? We, we did attend, and it was it was insane. It was it, we were like Cinderella at the ball, <laughs> and 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 certainly when 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 the clock struck midnight, you know, we turned back <laughs> to our <laughs> to our ugly stepsister selves. But um, no, um, I mean, it it was a, definitely an unforgettable experience. I mean, you know, we got to do that with the whole band was there the band and our our significant others and we were you know like uh kind of out of place like like really tiny 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 fish in a huge pond but it was awesome we 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 ex experienced it to the max we said you know what this is a once in a lifetime we've heard of these friggin' things all our lives and now we're here we, we've been acknowledged and recognized by our peers in the music industry and let's just savor it for all it's worth even though the metal category is just like insignificant in that whole scene right now these days uh, being that rock is you know not the flavor of the month and especially not metal in, in in the huge world of music but whatever man we had a great time we took it for all it was worth and i'll never forget it Dude, beautiful. No, it was, it was an exciting moment. And, you know, I got to actually talk. I was lucky enough to talk to Ice-T both times he got nominated for Body Count. And he, in the second time, you know, they, they got nominated the first time. And then the second time they were like, I was asked them if, if like, when you were recording the record, were you thinking, hey, this last one got the Grammy nod. We got to do something like, and remember, maybe maybe they're still on, on their radar. Do you guys have that mentality? You're like, fuck it, this is a one-time thing. We're just going with it and we're doing what we do. I mean, I, I mean, I, I had that in the back of my mind, of mm. course. Once, once we entered the world of, of all that, um, I figured, yes, we possibly are on the radar now. We're, we're recognized by the Academy and stuff. And um, so, but I mean, but we didn't really, there was nothing, there was no action taken except for the fact that, so in the, during the pandemic, we recorded this acoustic EP called mm. the Under Pressure EP, and there's four acoustic songs on there. Um, and one of the four songs is, was a new song that, that we wrote during the pandemic. So it had all, all the vibes and all the energy of the, 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 the real deep part of the pandemic when everyone was tripping hard. Um, and we put that out. And so when, when this Grammys that, are, that is coming up in January came up, um, those songs were, became eligible because they landed in the time frame for, for these Grammys. So we came to, to, to find out that our song Faded Remains is under consideration to be nominated. So um, we shall see. Um, th this Friday, the, the first uh, round of the voting ends. And so after that, it whittles down to the five nominees in each category. So... Our song "Faded Remains" was up for best rock song and best rock performance. Cool. So we're even we're even in a more huge ocean of of people being in the rock category rather than the metal category. But that song really doesn't belong in the metal category because it's an acoustic song anyway. Um, so 
Stranger things have happened. You said it. <laughs> that is awesome, dude. So now we can look out for that. But Faded Remains is one of the bastard tracks on the latest record we're talking about promoting right here, yeah. December 3rd. That is one of the highlights of, uh, I just want to bring that in, is the acoustic performances that you guys did for, uh, you know, uh, Faded Remains, Volcanic. I'm trying to remember off the top of the head, but it, it rolled into the Sabbath cover, which was just a beautiful It was those thing. two. That's right. Faded Remains and Volcanic. Yeah. And tell us, tell me about how you guys are like, all right, we're doing this amazing concept but we have to put these acoustic performances kind of for the fan base tell me about how you guys decided to do that uh sequencing pretty much for you well it since we were doing it um in a, in a controlled environment and atmosphere then we figured that we may as well you know go the distance and and add these acoustic versions because we want to play these songs live but we just haven't been in a in a a position production wise to make it happen properly and you know obviously it's a different trip you first of all you need to be in my opinion we need to be in a headlining set a, a long a long headline set to where there's enough time and space that you can get into another dimension and go acoustic for a minute because obviously normally people are thrashing hard and going insane so if you want to take it there and like flatline the crowd to where they're just standing still and watching you need to be careful when you're going to do that because you might just like kind of crush the energy that everybody's having having a good time thrashing so i, I have that you know in my mind whereby we don't want to just do it just because because i don't want to mess up the flow of the evening so we never really had a a, a proper opportunity to do it also I, to 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 break out acoustics and rather than just use like clean tone electrics but real acoustics and then do it that way so there's also you know another element of 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 the mixing of it the the sonic situation to, to get it just right where you can hear yourself it's not feeding back it, it's kind of a, a bit of a process to just throw all of a sudden in the middle of your set it, it needs to be well rehearsed and well prepared and it's kind of challenging to to perform that way live actually it's it's a it's a lot easier in, in in our normal dna to go ballistic and full throttle so to to take it down tender like that when you're all amped up and full of adrenaline from the last thrashing song you just played it's kind of a trippy scene that being said in this situation we were like okay here's a chance to to be able to play these songs so then we we went about rehearsing them and and taking them very carefully, using these um, spe special acoustic amps to amplify our, our, our acoustics where we could hear them good on stage and practice the shit out of those songs so we don't butcher them and just sound like total ass. Um, and so there you have it. We, 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 we were very happy to include that in that set, and it was a lot of fun, a bit of a challenge, but a lot of fun musically and fun as just you know bros trying to make it work so there you have it such a highlight man on this record guys the bastard tracks that we're talking about such a highlight because when you get there um and you go into the sabbath cover that we're all pretty much familiar for falling off the edge of the world if i can't say yeah. that's kind of the hit um for that but that's what it's like the momentum is the slow build kind of doom and then we're back to the thrashing it was a great sequence that you guys put together Thank you. And thank you for noticing. It was planned that way. Is what am I assuming that or no? I take great care in sequencing our sets. Oh, perfect. it's one of the most fun, fun things that that I do. Every, any any set that we play, 
given the, the situation, the, the place we're at, the type of crowd we have, who we're playing with, it's kind of um, my job to, to create the set list and the sequence and, and on our records too. So I, I, I don't take it lightly. I literally switch around and, and experiment with the sequence like way, way OCD beyond belief. Like I like literally like sit there, create a playlist, listen to it on my headphones, rearrange the songs again. And then when I have to hear it again, I need to start from the first song all the way to the end so that I can see the entire picture of it. Like, and you don't even know how many times I go over and over it until I, <laughs> until I decide that, okay, that's probably all right. So, so thank you for noticing because that is definitely by design. Dude, uh, you're welcome, and that's crazy because, okay, I love talking about sequencing records like this and, and all that stuff. That What's the hardest track for you to pick? Track one or track, like, ten when you're doing a sequence? Because track one's Ooh. got to be the, I'm grabbing your ass right now and throwing you into the record, but track ten is like, hey, we're keeping you alive. Wh- which one's the hardest for you in sequencing? Um, it, it depends on... You're talking about a record, not a record. live set. Yeah. Um, actually, let's, let, let's do the record. Yeah, let's go with the record. It, talking about a record, and that is infinitely more important because that's like the record that everyone's going to hear forevermore. Um, so in that case, it, it's not so much what's the hardest because it's, it's different from, rec- from, from album to album, but definitely it's one of the most important it's one of the most important, the first song. The first song is so important. Basically, song one, two, three, and even four is, like, really important because that's where you say hello in the record. And if, if, if you don't do a good job in song one, two, three, no one's even going to go past that. So mm. he's going to switch the record to something else. So you want to make sure that, to me, the first three songs, like, make it where the person has to keep going. And then... Then, of course, the closing song is definitely important, too, because that's the way that you, you end the movie, so to speak. Mm. And I'm trying to look at a sequence of songs like a movie, like it's taking you through a journey. Uh, and there's, there's a beginning, there's an ending, and then there's the things that happen in the middle. And if you don't get it right, you're, you're, your shit's out of sequence and you, you, it's discombobulated. And the, the flow and the vibe is not taking you through the story the right way. So I'm trying to just visualize everything like a soundtrack. Um, but that being said, the first song, the reason I say it's, it's, to me it's the most important, but it's not the hardest, is because sometimes by the time we're done recording the record, the first song has revealed itself. Mm. The, that, that's how it usually is. Yeah. I don't even have to, I don't have to think about it or try to figure it out because it's, to me it's like this song is screaming opening track. Like, you could tell this song says, hello, and it's got to be the first song. It's just, it's, it's, it's obvious. So that's how it normally works. The first song kind of reveals itself just by the nature of the song. Then it's kind of hard going to song two, three, four, and then who's going to be the, the, the guy at the end. Now, let me ask you this, because I, I love this. And because you put so much time into your guys' own work to sequence records, obviously when you listen to other bands, and we don't have to name any bands, but have you ever listened to an album and you're like, dude, they sequenced this completely wrong, but this is a great record and it could have been better? Uh, do you do that? <laughs> That's a good question. That's kind of funny. <laughs> um, I, think, I think in rare occasions I have thought that. 
I mean, I can't think off the top of my head yeah. what album right now, but I, I, it, there's got to have been a, a record that I've heard that it seemed odd in, in, the, in the sequence at some point. But I have a hard, I try to, when it comes to that, you know why I don't really acknowledge that or think of it that way is because I, I just come to picture that it's that, it's those artists' vision. Mm. And if that's how they see it, like that's how they wanted it to, to happen, then not, I'm just trying to digest it the way that they served it up to me. You know, like it's like I'm thinking they did it that way for a reason. They, they didn't just randomly, like they must have gone through what I go through trying to see what's up. And so if they want it to be this way, I need to, maybe it's me who's not understanding this, like, and so I need to hear it for a while to like, see why they did it that way. So I'm kind of really open to thinking that, especially artists that, you know, I, I respect and mm. people I listen to, I'm like, well, these guys, they know what they're doing. So maybe I'm just in a weird headspace and I don't see it right now. Kind of like if you see a movie in a weird space and like, you kind of didn't, think it was all that or something then maybe in another time you see it again and then you you like it better the next time or mm -hmm. something you know it's just it takes a minute to grow on you or something yeah so, i think yeah, um, that's all i'm totally with you man mood is such a big thing when you're consuming art i always say that i feel like if i'm in a bad mood and i walk into a movie theater i'm like this movie doesn't have a chance <laughs> like totally you know it's like it's like I'm, I'm gonna wait it's just not fair and then the revisit you're like yeah oh, i get it now that's 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 totally how it is um and that's it's a, your headspace sometimes. It's like the, the entertainment's like a drug, you know? Like, it, yeah. if you're in the wrong headspace, you might have a bad trip or something like But in, in a different day, taking the same drug in, in a good headspace, you might have an amazing time. So it kind of depends, too, how, how you, your perception is in, within your mood because entertainment is playing with your moods. It's like a, it's a mood swing up and down, and your emotions and moods should be affected if the entertainment is good. That's that's what I think, at least. Thousand percent. There's been times I've had, I've had the wrong attitude, and then it sucked me in, and it's I, my attitude's gone, and all of a sudden I'm like, all right, you win. And it's like those are the the artists, the bands, the the movies, even that I'm like, oh wow, they they changed it all for me, you know. And and that's uh, that's what I love about it. Now, another thing I love, dude. Is I love deep cuts. I've always been a fan of, especially a lot of my favorite bands doing the deep cut thing. So this concept of the the you know the record was amazing because I've talked to a lot of bands and I'm like, would you guys ever do a deep cut tour? But I don't know if that makes sense, right? Now, exactly. Yeah, but this is a fantastic idea. So tell me about how the concept came together and how you guys are like, we're going to do some songs that are great. The 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 core fan base is going to be super happy to see these lives, like we talked about the acoustic songs. But how did you guys come up with the concept to make that part of this plan? That actually came about with, with straight up collaborating, discussing, and, and powwow over fucking ideas, which is a good idea in itself to do that because there you go. Ideas come about when you somehow get together and just like start riffing and talking about shit and vi vibing out. And all of a sudden, one thing leads to another, and a, a cool idea gets born. So that's, that's kind of how this happened. Um, what it was is we did, so during the pandemic, as we lay dormant and, like, wondering what the fuck we're going to do, so then we, we realized, okay, um, we're going to do this, this Christmas show stream thing. So because we, we do these Christmas shows in our hometown in San, in San Francisco, we have been doing these 
holiday Christmas shows. It's an annual thing, and we are already up to the seventh annual. We've done it six years in a row, and they're very successful. We do a whole Christmas theme thing. You know, we make it a special night. We just get all crazy. We play a long set. We play a, we all we we pick do a Christmas song. We do cover tunes. We do Beatles covers because we borrowed the whole um, uh, another Christmas show from the Beatles who were. Uh, they did that back then. They would do these long runs of Christmas shows during Christmas time. So we kind of borrowed the idea. So we paid homage and do a bunch of covers and just and, and then regular songs in our set. We have guest musicians. We, it's a real fun night. We were gonna miss the seventh annual because because the pandemic. So then we it was it was the idea was brought up. Let's do the one of these internet stream type things. So we did it. So and 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 it was it, it went over well. It was you know n- it was no comparison to a live situation. Obviously, it was bizarre with no crowd and you're playing in the cameras in an empty hall and doing your best to bring the energy and like you know obviously our music has a lot to do with crowd participation and like the, the, the stage diving, the thrashing, the whole like back and forth energy exchange. It was was completely devoid in this in this set but yet we 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 figured it out and we had a good time as best as we could do so then that happened then you know time went by the pandemic was still raging and then so Ted and I were talking we're like what are we going to do we are all our summer tours are canceled like everything's canceled like we're just sitting here so Ted's like we need to do another one of those streaming shows and I was like oh no no not again and he's like think about it dude we're not going to play for like a year like we, we better do something i'm like well if we do we got to do something different then like we can't just do a normal like show like what 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 can we do different so then we were sitting here thinking about it and i can't really honestly remember between the two of us who came out with the idea or what but somehow out of that session was born the idea of aha what if we do songs we never play just like really odd tracks stuff that you're not going to see in our live set and this is the time we have time to work it out relearn the songs pick a good set list that will fill an entire you know set of stuff that it might work on the on the on the internet because people don't have to be in the crowd live going like wondering what the fuck where's a normal song that we know like let's let's go what are all these weird songs the whole time it might work go over better like when people watch on their computers at home or on their tv or whatever so then there you go and then i for some reason i used to I, I always called these odd tracks bastard tracks these deep cuts that don't get played we i don't know where that term came from but we we'd say that for years so i said all right the bastard tracks it is and there you go that's that's how the idea was born then 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 it started getting fun you know we started getting getting into it and looking into the all the albums and I basically sent an email out to the, every guy in the band and said, all right, this is going to go down. Give me a list of, of your favorite bastard tracks of all our songs. So then all the, the other four dudes sent me these long lists of songs. And then now I had to look at everybody's vibe and pick what I thought is going to work out out of all these songs. And that's how we came out with the, the songs. Nice. Now, how many of your songs on your list did everybody else agree with? Because that sounds hard to me. That sounds hard, man. It is hard. It's especially hard when you open up the kitchen to all the five cooks. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's a scary move. You're like, oh, shit. This could, like, end up in a whole mess by the time we're done. But everyone was cool. They just all were like, you know, 
This is what I, you know, if you pick a couple, if you pick one, whatever, this is what I think. And a lot of them crossed over, so I kind of went through the list and especially songs that at least three dudes picked at, at once. Those made the cut. Um, and then I made sure to get, like, one in from each guy's individual pick that, like, nobody else brought that song up, but they, but they really felt strongly about it, or, like, if it was at the top of their list. Um, and finally, my list... I didn't even make a list. I just looked at all the other four guys' list, then compiled the songs that I thought worked out of their four, the four other dudes, and then I filled in what was left to, like, make the entire set because I agreed with these other ones, and then I thought, okay, how about a couple of these others? Now, I doubt it, but was anybody upset that one of the songs didn't make it? If they were, they didn't voice it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I would have been like, man, <laughs> but that's how a democracy works. People right there. Yeah. You have structure cool and you can do that. And that's awesome. Now rehearsing them, which one was the most difficult, I guess, for you guys to relearn maybe, or were they all kind of like, oh, you guys all remember the vibe pretty well. No, it was weird. Hmm. It was like, it was like 90% like learning a cover song, like, like song that, <laughs> And not only a cover song, a cover song that you don't even listen to, like you haven't been listening to for decades, because it's not like you sit there. I mean, I don't just sit there and listen to our old records all day long. It'd be kind of odd for me. Uh, you know, they're there for other people to listen to, but I'm, I'm just moving on to what we do now, and I'm not sitting here like listening to every single song from 1986 or whatever. So, yeah, we had to go in and do a lot of homework and what made things even crazier is especially stuff from from the Frolic album, the, the Guilty of Innocence and Why You Do This from, from our second album, Frolic Through the Park. That album's produced really weird for me. Our first two albums, we did, you know, totally analog, no click track, no kind of just like firing them out live. So that being said, the... the the songs, when you listen to them, they have a vibe. They have a total raw, rocking vibe that's impossible to recreate nowadays because it just, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a result of the limited recording ways we had back then combined with our extremely young, inexperienced selves. So that put together makes a lot of energy and vibe, but not quite a lot of precision. And these days, you're used to the precision with the energy and vibe. So when you're trying to pick out, listen to these albums and like pick out every note of what's happening, it's it's mayhemic because we're like all over the place and like it's madness. And you're like, I can't really hear what the I can't remember what I was playing. So that in of itself was was a project. But when we finally uh, were able to decipher the hieroglyphics to a point where it sounded right, then it was really fun because those songs are wild, to say the least. And there's just like a lot of weird tempo changes and just like dramatic like arrangements that sort of are making no sense, but that's kind of the magic of it. Um, and so those were really fun to to, to relearn the, the really old stuff. Um, the acoustic stuff was fun because we would do like separate rehearsals for that. Like we would we would just get together just to do the acoustic stuff. And then we would get together and rehearse the electric stuff. Then finally we put it together and when we'd rehearse all of it, we would rehearse all the electric stuff. Then at the end, take, take a few minutes and then switch all everything over and rehearse the acoustic stuff or the other way around, start with the acoustic, then do the electric later. And 
Will was a good sport because during those two acoustic songs, he didn't play. There was it's no drums going on, so he just, you know, went and checked his phone or did whatever, but he, he encouraged us and gave us a lot of good support. And, you know, I kind of felt bad because he had to just take five. Um, but Will's such a savage uh, beast man of a metal drummer that I didn't even want to begin to go, hey, why don't you just play a tambourine, bro? <laughs> like, it's not his vibe. <laughs> he could have just been in the it's back. not his vibe. Yeah. No way. He's like, hey, brother, why don't you put on some flip-flops and play the tambourine? <laughs> so he was just, he was fine with, you know, taking 10, taking 15, and just ducking out while we did that. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how the process went. We, we, re we rehearsed a lot, a lot of sessions to get that to, to, to be as, as tight as it was. And I got to tell you, it's a beautiful thing, guys. The Bastard Tracks one more time is coming out December 3rd. I hope, and, and again, because I love the deep cuts, I hope more bands kind of follow your lead and do it in, in the streaming format. Because like I said, I'd love to see it on tour, but I know that's not the way it works. You know, it's, you, you got to play, you got to play some of those strong ones. And let's talk about the tour. I bought tickets okay. for the tour that's coming out here in Las Vegas because I'm on the run here. Uh, it was in oh, November. Right. It moved out to uh, 2022, yeah. which is totally cool, man. I'm all about it because uh, as long as my tickets don't expire, I got something to do that I'm going to be excited about. So tell me how you guys feel about it. And the, the reasoning you guys moved out the tour maybe, um, was it just because okay. of the, the vibe right now? Yes. Hmm. Um, first of all, thank you so much for having a positive attitude about the whole thing going on and your tickets and everything because oh, yeah. clearly obviously you know a lot of people are cool with it and then a lot of people are pissed about it and and, and i mean i can understand especially people they had plans the, the people they got off work they bought flights to other places they have accommodations based around this whole plan of, of these shows and obviously we realized once we heard, knew that this was going to get postponed like that is like oh no like, people are going to be crushed, including a lot of personal friends of mine. A lot. And when, when, when we first, you know, heard about the, the possibility and, like, it might be going in that direction, we were still basically sworn to secrecy until the thing was confirmed and the, the, the thing was absolutely postponed. So I felt really bad because I knew a lot of people, friends and family, making plans around this thing. But I just, you know, honored the, I honored the mums the word until it was the right time. Um, so eventually when it was get, once the idea was coming, started to come around that it was going to get moved. Um, and mind you, I mean, I don't want to say just to say our band was ready to go. We took all protocols. We had our, in, our entire plan in place about how we were going to have our bubble. Everyone's fully vaccinated. Um, everything like we went with it to every precaution that needed to happen and prepared ourselves. We like had a whole set of new set of rules going on about this tour, how there was going to be nobody in our bus, no one in our dressing room, nobody outside of the band and crew. Like we just had to do it that way to, to play ball, to, you know, be responsible. Um, however, it's not only our band, it's us, Exodus and Testament and all of our crew, everyone put together. It's like a 60 person entourage moving around, you know, from city to city. And meanwhile, you're seeing what's happening to some of these other bands mm -hmm. who are on tour. One guy gets sick. They're canceled out for a while. They come back. The different situations happen. They're able to stall for a while, then get a replacement dude, and then, like, we can, you know, get back on the tour. You know, we just are unfortunately not in that um, 
at that level, at our at our budget level and the bracket where we live in on tour, we couldn't afford for that to happen. One, two shows gets canceled because one dude, something happens or something, it's over. Like our whole tour would have been over. We can't just sit still for days incurring all the expenses of our buses and crew and everything with no shows. And there was just a million obvious reasons about the pandemic and like a lot of the venues had like really strict rules and tours were getting postponed and canceled left and right so in the end it was decided that we needed to just you know not fuck around and do it next year where hopefully it'll be easier to do it won't be so restrictive and we won't have to cancel like in the middle of the thing and the whole tour could happen and unfortunately a lot of people don't really understand all the details of what we have to deal with to make stuff like this work um so it was in the it was in the best interest of of the big picture and i'll I'll tell you right now it it, that's them being selfish because we all should understand that this what you guys are giving to us it's a huge sigh it's a huge relief it's a it's a beautiful night something we didn't get for a year and a half and it's our job to take care of you guys and make sure you guys don't get sick too as a fan base it's it's a whole team effort we got to keep the clubs open we got to keep you guys rolling all that stuff. So, well, he, thank you. I I appreciate that that outlook. And yeah. I mean, and, and and another thing that's kind of trip is when you see these people getting so pissed about it or whatever, and they like write in and they say stuff. I mean, I I I feel their pain, but like exactly, they're a they're not really they're not looking at the whole big picture of everything. And, and B, did they ever consider that how badly we want to play? Like, you think we are yeah. happy about that? We're dying over here for a live crowd, man. It's like been the it's been the longest time that we have not played in front of a crowd since Death Angel's first show ever. Like, like since 1983 or something. Since we ever first started playing, we have never gone this long without playing in front of a crowd. It's killing us. It's, it's our, what we do to, it's our life. Like, it's our love, our life. And of course we want to play. Of course. Yeah, man, I'm sorry that you guys are getting any kind of, that's just not fair to you guys. And like I said, everything you've given has been great for us. And when the shows happen, those negative attitudes will be gone because it's going to be a fantastic night. Like you said, Testament, Exodus, Death Angel, an amazing package. Us fans are going to have the best time ever, man. So uh, with that, Rob, I saw I went over my time limit just a little bit. I do apologize, dude. But I got to promote one more time. No worries, bro. Good. Awesome, brother. One more time, I got to tell everybody, The Bastard Tracks, it is coming out December 3rd. I fucking love the record. 15 songs. If you're a Death Angel fan, you definitely want to hear these renditions. As I mentioned, there's highlights all over the thing. It's coming out December 3rd. Do not, do not miss out on it. Pre-order it now. Pick it up when it comes out. With that, Rob, it has been an absolute pleasure, my friend. Thank you so much, dude, for calling in to the Metal Sucks podcast. Thank you for having me. It's been my pleasure. It's so awesome. And let, just to let you know, this is the first interview I've done for the Bastard Tracks. So I'm very excited. I haven't been doing an, you know, an interview in a while for any release or anything. It's been very abnormal. And something like this makes me, makes me feel normal. And it feels like the thing that we do. So it totally stoked me to talk to you. And thanks, everyone, for listening.
Metal Sucks Podcast.
are back, guys. First song you heard is off the latest album, The Bastard Tracks. That is the live version of Where They Lay, guys. The Bastard Track is coming out November 26th. Again, I apologize. I said December 3rd. That's inaccurate in the interview. November 26th. Make sure you guys are picking it up. It is a fantastic representation of what these guys did with a lot of the songs that I, I'm telling you, I always wanted to hear live. Bastard Tracks coming out November 26th. Also, the second song you guys heard, it is off the Bay Area Strikes Path North American Tour, is Testament, Death Angel, and of course, Exodus. That track is from Exodus. That is the Years of Death and Dying, and their new album, Persona Non Grata, is out now, guys. Make sure you're picking up tickets. That The uh, Bay Strikes Back store, Testament, Exodus, Death Angel, it's starting April 9th across North America. I got my tickets. I cannot wait for that show. It's going to be a great time. And make sure you guys are checking out the latest from Exodus, Persona Non Grata. With that, I want to thank everybody out there for the five-star reviews on the good old Apple iTunes. That is all we ask for as a podcast team. If you guys can take the time, go over to Apple iTunes, click five stars, and we are happy, happy kids. And also, all the support on our other (laughs) podcast, the documentary podcast, Rise to Offend. You guys don't like me saying yummy or happy. I don't don't like like the way you said happy, happy kids. It made me uncomfortable. (laughs) When he says things like yummy. Yeah. Oh, it's stinky. It's stinky. It's just... I re- dude, Pete, Especially I, after we were having like an intense political debate and then you say happy, happy yeah. kids. It makes me feel like the creepy kindergarten teacher just walked in. Well, one time I, one time I had to stop the podcast because I had to go to use the bathroom and Pete's like, you're going to go potty? <laughs> it's like potty. <laughs> and, then he just, and then he just apologized. He didn't know what to say after that. I, I got a potty right now. Yeah, I see. <laughs> oh, God damn Can it. I make it that awkward? <laughs> You gotta yeah. squirt that dirt, buddy. Okay. No, I am I'm done with Anyways, all of this. Thank you. Thank you for the support on Rise <laughs> to Offend, our documented discussion podcast, guys. We just talked about Charles Bukowski, a rock star in his own right. Did a fantastic episode. If you guys want to hear a three-part documentary on Charles Bukowski, one of our favorite episodes that we've ever done, make sure you guys are checking that out. Um, and with that, our friends, we're gonna have jokes next week. I thought we had some. I mean, we were, we were, hey, listen, we were a prime example of what people don't fucking understand. You can disagree with people, still love them and have a conversation with them and it doesn't have to devolve your entire fucking relationship. Grow up. Get yeah. Dr. Huxtable's dick out of your mouth. And you, you can you be Cosby lover. Also, Cosby 2024. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Whoa. That won't make that me. That was a trickle down. <laughs> that won't make me a happy, happy kid. <laughs> Ew. Oh, God. Go potty. <laughs> The Metal Sucks Podcast is signing off.